today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Building in Faith In this life, good people are often treated as though they were wicked, and wicked people are often treated as though they were good. This is meaningless. What he's saying is, you will see inequities, things that just are not right, where evil people are honored and treated well, and good people are mistreated and treated wrongly. That is the life, the world that we live in. Reaching up high with arms open wide, we see. Changing our lives so we can be our heads and feet. In the world we live in, we'll see inequities. Things that don't make sense and confuse us. Things that make us want to question God. Pastor Ed tells us that Solomon warned us to be aware of these things and to not let them ruin our faith. He tells us that we need to understand that God is playing on a board that we can't even fathom. And he's doing it in a context where time is infinite. Luckily for us, we can take comfort in knowing that though these things here may not line up, in heaven, Christ is judge. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's message. Building in faith. I mean, there's some things we can do. Prepare for a rainy day. Have some extra money in the budget for that flat tire or that repair work that you need, or that thing that you hadn't planned. I mean, there's always something unexpected happening. So so wisely, wisely prepare. But um, there are events and circumstances that come into our lives that blindside us. How many of you have tried to do the right thing and it just blew up in your face? I remember a time like that my own life. Years ago, I shared how I wanted to see, my mother was in the hospital back in Brooklyn, and she was dying. We knew her days were numbered. And my mom and dad, through the years, were together, and then they broke up, were together, and they broke up. And in my early teenage years, he left permanently our home, and I didn't have a whole lot of contact with my father. But my mom was dying in the hospital, and I felt that it would be good for her to have closure and for my dad to meet my mom and at least have some form of reconciliation. So I called my father up, and I said, Dad, would you come? Mom's dying in the hospital. And and we hadn't talked much over the years, but we had prayed for his salvation, prayed that he would come to know the Lord at this time I don't think um, he knew the Lord and uh, I asked him to come and I arranged a meeting and there in the hospital my dad came into the room my mother was there it was a private room that she was in and um, I tried to bridge this gulf so that they could maybe each close that chapter in their lives My dad was a very difficult man to deal with. And he started arguing with my mother on her deathbed. 
he started going back over their journey, back over their lives, blaming this person, that person, this situation, that situation for their turbulent marriage. At the end, I felt absolutely horrible. I put an added grief on my mother. Not purposely. And I thought, I didn't know that would happen. Have you ever been there where you're trying to do the right thing and it just turns out wrong? And so Solomon is saying that there are times we just simply don't know and we miss it. And in fact, the message translation in chapter 8 verse 6 reads this way. Yes, there's a right time and a right way for everything, even though unfortunately we miss it for the most part. There are times that even in the wisdom that we have, we make mistakes. We have limited insight into the dynamics of things that might happen. Uh, the wise, wise, we want, have limited control over life. The wise have limited control over life. Um, in Ecclesiastes 8.8, 8, no man has the power over wind to contain it. Can you stop the wind? Can you turn it this way, that way? Do you know which way it's going to blow today? You don't know. None of us knows. And so no one has power over the day of his death. Now this Friday, I was in my office praying and reading the text and preparing for Sunday. And I happened to be reading this particular verse, thinking about it, praying about it. And my wife, Joyce, came into the office and she said, um, Ed Vassar Hospital's called. You have to go there because Dan Wonky is not doing well. And so I got my wallet and my cell phone and I began walking out the door. And as I'm, as I'm walking out, Dan Wonky's son, Dan Wonky, he called me up and the son called me up and he said, Pastor, my dad just passed away. And I happened to think about this verse of scripture as I was leaving. And I think about over the past number of years, all the time, times, Dan was rushed to the hospital suddenly. Last year, around this time, he was in the hospital and went up to Albany. He had an aneurysm. They didn't know if they should do surgery or if they shouldn't. They were going back and forth. And, and, and times before that, there were all sorts of things going on where we didn't know if Dan would pull through. But yet, this time... We didn't expect him to die. That morning I was in early and Dan looked at me and the first thing that he said to me when I came in his room was, God bless you. I always liked when Dan blessed me. I love when people bless you. And, and, and so we talked and we conversed, talked with the son, we prayed together. And then after I was ready to leave, Dan looked up at me again and Dan said to me, the Lord bless you real good. That's the last words I heard him speak to me. And that, to me that was significant. To be blessed by one of these godly men that are from our church family. But the timing of it, 
I actually, as I left the hospital, sent out a text, and I said, Dan looks pretty good. I think it's going to be fine. Just to get a call a couple of hours later, he had passed away. Solomon says, no one knows. Now, I was reading about a man by the name of uh, Yamachachi. I'm saying this, butchering his name a little, I think. Yamachachi or Yamaguchi, Yamaguchi. Now, on August 6th, 1945, um, just before the end of the World War II, he was in Hiroshima. He heard an American bomber flying over his head. He was a, an engineer. And then a few moments later, he saw a flash of light, and he was knocked down by the impact of the atomic bomb. He was burnt partially in his face and on his body as well. He survived. But 140,000 other people didn't survive. They died. So he was able to get some things together and he decided to travel home 190 miles southwest. And when he got home to Nagasaki... A few days later, they dropped a second atomic bomb. (laughs) And he was knocked over, saw the flash of light. He actually survived. And he died in 2010 at 93 years of age. I mean, who would think somebody's going to survive two atomic bombs? Travel all the way to Nagasaki, go back... You can't explain some things. You can't explain it. And wisdom recognizes there's limitations that we have. Why does someone die? Why does someone live? Why does this happen? Why does that happen? So simply you look at things and you can't explain it. Now, Solomon gives one piece of insight into the whole sort of puzzle of things relates to our fallen nature in verse 9. And it speaks of the tragedy of human government. All this I observed as I tried my best to understand all that's going on in this world. As long as men and women have the power to hurt each other, this is the way it is. See, it's not until the government is on his shoulders. It's not until he rules and reigns. Man's inhumanity to man is notorious. Now, wisdom faces the present and the future with a sense of humility. We, We recognize we have a limited amount of insight. We have a limited amount of control over things. There are some things beyond our control. As careful as we may plan, we have no control over it. Then wisdom encounters injustice with humility. In verse 11, because the sentence against evil deeds is so long in coming, people in general think they can get by with murder. Wow. Isn't that true? Isn't that true? God doesn't immediately zap people when they curse him and shake their fist at him. And in fact, Solomon is saying, don't be deceived. 
Because things aren't immediately judged, you can misinterpret life. In Ecclesiastes 8, 11 to 13, it says, when a crime is not punished quickly, people feel it's safe to do wrong. But even though a person sins a hundred times and still lives a long time, I know that those who fear God will be better off. The wicked will not prosper, for they do not fear God. Their days will never grow long like the evening shadows. I'm going to unpack that. What he's saying is, live your life for an audience of one. Live your life reverencing and fearing God, even though it seems like God is absent from the daily affairs of nations. Recognize that God doesn't immediately respond to the evils of man and doesn't immediately judge sin. Now, why do you think that is? Well, I think sometimes he's trying to lead men and women to repentance. Sometimes he tests our hearts. Why do we obey him? Because we fear just we're going to be punished or because we really believe his law and believe and love him. There's some things, again, it's so hard to understand. I think about my grandmother, a very good woman on my mother's side, hard worker, devout person. She died really young, like 60, of ovarian cancer. Now, my grandfather was a hard-living guy. I mean, he smoked, he drank, he did those type of things. And he lived to be 100 years old. But before he died, I led him to the Lord in that last lap of life. So we don't understand always what God is doing God is, is, is merciful and he's still in control. Trust him. Don't be like Barry Bonds and Alice Rodriguez. They kept on using steroids even though they knew it was against the rules. But because there was no action taken and no one was disciplined, they just kept on using it. Well, uh, they were eventually punished and they suffered the consequence Live your life for an audience of one. Walk in a deep sense of reverence for God. People who think God is absent or don't believe in God will misinterpret life and live simply the wrong way. Solomon is going to say, Handle injustice with a sense of humility. Reverence God. Recognize that God has his own timetable on things. And then he goes on to say, when injustice is popularized, don't be disheartened. The last word belongs to God. And he gives you some examples. In, again, verse 10 and verse 14, using the New Living Translation, I've seen wicked people buried with honor. Yet, they were the very ones who frequented into the temple And are now praised in the same city where they committed their crimes. This too is is meaningless. People who who were criminals and wrong and they're honored. And this is not 
all that is meaningless in our world. In this life, good people are often treated as though they were wicked, and wicked people are often treated as though they were good. This is meaningless. What he's saying is you will see inequities, things that just are not right, where evil people are honored and treated well, and good people are mistreated and treated wrongly. That is the life, the world that we live in. And wisdom recognizes that. And you have this sense of humility because you you say, Lord, I know that I know that one day you will stand on the earth and you will judge all men. Let me read you the words of Joseph Stalin's daughter. He literally butchered millions of people. He was paranoid. Killing those around him, his his leaders, his generals, all of those around because of his paranoia. Here is his daughter's experience as she watched her father on his deathbed. At what seemed like a very last moment, he suddenly opened his eyes and cast a glance over everyone in the room. It was a terrible glance, insane, or perhaps angry, and full of fear of death. And the unfamiliar faces of doctors bent over him. The glance swept over everyone in a second. Then something incomprehensible and awesome happened that to this day I can't forget, I don't understand. He suddenly lifted his left hand as though bringing down a curse on all of us. The gesture was incomprehensible and full of menace. And one could say to whom or what it might be directed. Next moment, after a final effort, the spirit wrenched itself free of the flesh. What a horrible death. Stalin, though honored by his people, I believe in the Kremlin Wall. But God says that um, he's not going to allow his shadow, or I'm paraphrasing it in Ecclesiastes, impact long, long term. In other words, what he's saying is when evil men die, their death is a stench. Hitler, Mussolini, dictators that take the lives of multitude. In their day, people applaud them. In their time, people honor them. They have the burial of kings and honored. But in heaven and in hell, everything is looked at very, very differently. And our eyes have to realize that God is the ultimate judge. And here's the verse that brings us back almost to sanity. Because if you live in a world like this, you can be on antidepressants for the rest of your life. If you look at all of the injustices, all of the things that go wrong, all of the things that you just say, what in the world is happening? Here's what Solomon says. So I recommend having fun. 
because there's nothing better for people in this world than to eat, drink, and enjoy life, uh, that they will experience some happiness along with all the hard work God gives them under the sun. So those who fear and honor God, your days are going to be mixed with difficult times and good days, but enjoy the life gives you, God gives you, and recognize that he is the judge of all the earth. And there will be a final day of judgment. And, and, and we wait in anticipation for that. Those who live without God, the world is absolutely chaotic and makes no sense. But those who recognize that God is God, they live with a sense that God, he is sovereign and someday... He will judge everyone. Now, finally and lastly, wisdom embraces life mystery with humility. He said, when I applied my mind to know wisdom and observed man's labor on the earth, his eyes not seen sleep day or night. When I saw all that God had done, no one can comprehend what God does under the sun. Despite all his efforts to search it out, Man cannot discover its meaning. Even if a wise man claims he knows, he cannot really comprehend it. Let me just say, in the book of Corinthians, Paul writes about the gifts of the Spirit. There are times that God may give a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, that you might have understanding of a situation that is outside the breadth of human comprehension. That God does illuminate us at times to those secret things, to those things that he's doing. But many times in the natural, we just simply won't understand. Uh, Think about God is playing this chess game. It's three-dimensional. Now, as he's making moves, he remembers a promise that he made generations before to a man or a woman of God. And he's answering that prayer hundreds of years later. It's God's making the move. He's thinking how this is going to affect generations to come. He knows everything about everything. He knows how a person would respond in a certain situation and what would be best and what would be good. And see, God is the master chess player. You can't outplay him and you can't understand his moves. This is what the message translation how it translates verse 17. You'll still never figure out the meaning of what God is doing on this earth. Search as hard as you like. You're not going to make sense of it. No matter how smart you are, you won't get to the bottom of it. Wow. Where does that leave us? It leaves us in a position where we have to simply trust God. And we have wisdom and we ought to seek it and walk in it. But it's life coach is humility. Because there will be things, enigmas, things that we simply cannot get our hands around. Our minds around. And we'll simply have to say, Lord, it's yours. I don't understand. Why did she die And he left. Why did this happen to them? And that evil person, they got away with that. Take it all and put it in his hands. He's the only one who understands 
everything about everything. The Word of God is always useful to study, and the book of Ecclesiastes is no different. This book shares the truth of God's presence that is always with us in this life and gives us encouragement in the midst of life's hardships. As you search for meaning among the mayhem, we pray you find it in God's plan for your life. Pastor Ed Jones will have more to share from this series on the next edition of Building in Faith, but you can find additional messages right now by visiting our radio website, buildinginfaithradio.com. Be sure to visit our church homepage as well by clicking on Back to Home Page. There, you'll be greeted by a daily scripture and some exciting events coming up for us here at Faith Assembly. We know how important finding a home church is to the Christian walk. And if you've not yet found that for your own life, why not join us? We'd be honored to meet you and share a time of worship and Bible study with you. We gather together each Sunday at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. and again on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Our location information and directions are on our website. That address again is buildinginfaithradio.com. As our time with you comes to a close today, we'd like to say thank you for joining us. We pray your day is blessed by God and that you continue to seek Him in your personal journey of faith. Pastor Ed will have more to share from the Word of God on the next edition of Building in Faith. Your Word restores.